the headphones in and crank it. You're listening to Trans Talk Raw. I'm the hippie chick from the great white north, Nikki Marie Dawn, and I'm with my co-host, the guitar playing, songwriting, Terry Allen. We're a couple of trans survivors, rocking the airways, bringing you our lived experiences, opinions, and a ton of info about being transgender. This is episode 36, and today in our third interview of the season, we are chatting with the lovely Claire from our community. Twitter folks may know her by the handle Best Laid Trans, which is a story in itself. She's a PhD candidate, has a great story, and some wonderful insights to share. Strap into your seats, turn up the volume, and let's get chatting with Claire. All of a sudden, you're not really expecting it, and then you go and you go and you say something stupid or whatever, and then it's like, oh shit, did I actually say that? Oh shit, it's recording, right? Yeah, and so, you did. And you, you know, I mean, so don't we'll worry. Just do what every smart politician is: is when you have me on video and you have the sound of me saying what I'm saying, I'll just say that I, I don't remember, and then it's okay. fine. Well, then you're going to fit in perfectly because, yeah, and that's, uh, that's going to work absolutely perfectly. Great. You've been well-trained, Claire, I must admit. Very nice. Yeah, very nice. So, a, anyway, seasoned, a seasoned Zoomer. So, yeah. She is a seasoned Zoomer, isn't uh, she? Yeah. yeah. I, I just learned recently that I thought, like, I was like, I'm Gen Y, like, millennials are after me. And then I, like, Googled it and like, oh, Gen Y is millennials. And I was like, kind of freaked out by that, but the Zoomers have... I mean, they're so much better than millennials. Mm-hmm. I mean, I enjoy my fellow millennials, but the Zoomer humor, like my younger sister showing me, it's just like, it's existential. It makes no sense. And I love that. I I strive for that in my tweets. Like, the oh, I love your tweets. You're very, yeah, one reason why I wanted you on the yeah. show, because you're very witty. I enjoy your yes. tweets. They're the yeah, highlight exactly. of the day. So. Yeah, and I, I enjoy them too because I always I'm, I'm looking as well. So, anyway, why don't we get started with the show? Because we're okay. I thought we were already. No, we're, yeah, already we're, we're already motivated and recording and that sort of stuff. So you know you got you didn't get caught with your pants down. So don't worry about it. That's fine. Um, today uh, we're doing Trans Talk Raw or another interview. Uh, we have the lovely Claire from Twitter. Um, how do you how do you pronounce your last name? How do you pronounce it? Yes. Um, Kronk, K-R-O-N-K. Kronk, okay. Yeah, we wanted to make sure that we got the pronunciation. I have a question for you later that relates to your name. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, there's going to be a bunch of things that are going to get fired out to you here, Claire, so please be forewarned. Well, you already were, so... (laughs) Nothing bad. Nothing bad. Don't worry about it. You know, we're not going to put you on the spot or anything. We don't just deal with the serious stuff. Yeah. Hold it. Wait, is this a serious show? Well, sometimes. Okay, yeah. Well, Sorry. we'll try not to make it too serious. Then. <laughs> anyway, it. we're um, going to let you yeah. have the floor, let you tell your story, and we will yeah, inter- interject at intervals to ask questions. Right. So so we're going to introduce you as, uh, is it the best laid trans? Um, you can go with that, or Electric Claire, or my actual name. Uh, either of those is totally fine. <laughs> okay, no. Because I, I, I think, you know, I wanted to make sure that I covered all of the bases with your name because you do go by so many different things kind of and you're cool with that. So that's good. Yeah, and that, no pun intended on that, right? All the bases, best laid trans. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. I wouldn't make yeah, that. Come on, jeez. <sighs> I, I I you opened it up. So I had to you did. It. We're trying to be punny here. So just let it rock. 
rock and roll. Okay, so we'll just go for this. All right, so uh, Claire, why don't we start off by asking you, um, you know, tell us a little bit about your story. Tell us uh, kind of what you had gone through in that. And uh, of course, obviously, Terry and I will, uh, you know, interrupt profusely as to asking questions and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, I said that. Feel already, free to, so. The floor is now yours. Give I it. guess like, like there's the like the, the trans narrative. There's like the career narrative, and there's like the Twitter narrative. And I, I don't you can, know. You can dovetail all those. All, I was going to say, just put it all together, dovetail all it right. all into one thing, and let it rip. Don't worry, girl. Uh, however, you want to tell it. Okay. How you uh, I tell it, it's up to you. I guess in terms of like the trans narrative, because <laughs> that's something that I feel like I'm pretty vocal about on Twitter. So it's not like it's nothing that I haven't said before. Um, I have the most stereotypical trans femme like story where I like was into the girly stuff really early. Um, was told not to do it. As soon as I heard what trans was as a teenager, um, I was like, oh, crap. <laughs> Um, this is something that nobody is uh, a fan of, and I am that, and so deep repression. Um, and I'll never forget the very first time I ever heard the word trans. At that point, I had been cross-dressing in secret for like three or four years, and I was like, this is just a quirk. You know, it's just like a thing. And it go away in time. Yes. Yeah. My English teacher was like 20 minutes late to class and she comes in very flustered, flustered. And it's just like, there was this man in front of me at the bank who was trying to change his um, gender documentation. <clears throat> and she was making fun of him, of, of her. Um, and it was kind of a whole class kind of, laughing and jeering at this and that was like a big oh, shit. moment yeah. <laughs> um, for me um there was one trans girl in my high school and her, her and I sometimes chatted but it was always through like secret notes because I knew that I would lose everything um it was a very catholic small town and so getting to college, it was like, I planned three separate coming outs. I have them all on a flash drive um, still to this day. And I didn't do it until I was in grad school. I was financially stable. And I knew that I wouldn't be dealing with the gatekeeping that had happened when I was in Pittsburgh. And <laughs> finally, I just decided, you know what, whatever, we're ripping the Band-Aid off. We're just going to do it. We're jumping in. And... Yeah, um, from there, uh, my career took like a big nosedive. <laughs> um, <clears throat> I think there's like what you consider like very hard sciences. Um, like I was a bioinformatician of, um, and so that means that I was using computational methods to analyze like genetic data, um, protein data for um, specifically cancer and evolutionary biology. And that was something that I got a lot of praise in you know, for being outspoken, for voicing my opinions, for, you know, talking about what needed to be talked about. And then I transitioned and at work, you notice within a few months that, um, pardon my French here, but you're no longer outspoken. You're a bitch. <laughs> and, um, the things that used to, earn you praise are now so affirming your worst qualities as a human being. Um, 
And so be not knowing very many trans people, um, was kind of difficult. I went, I transitioned friend groups from mostly straight women to mostly gay men to mostly gay women. <laughs> um, and IRL, like in real life, most of my, um, friend group today are like cis lesbians and, oh, oh boy. <laughs> um, some of them are, are really great and really affirming, but you know, they, they slip up as everybody does. Oh, yeah. Um, sometimes worse than others. Um, but yeah, that, that kind of brought me to Twitter and being like, I want more people like me to talk to. Um, oh yeah. Trans, trans Twitter. Yeah. Trans Twitter, which is a step up from, um, trans Reddit and a step down from trans Instagram. <laughs> um, I wasn't, um, photogenic enough early in transition to get to Instagram, but I was photogenic enough for Reddit. <laughs> uh, and so yeah, there were levels. I, there, didn't I mean, this is new uh, to us. Based on your age and your demographics, there are like 50 social networks. And I mean, like if I bring up an app and I'm like, you know, imagine trans people on this app, like, I think you can kind of form an image in your head of what this person kind of looks like based on the app that they use. Like if I tell you a trans woman who uses Grindr, you have an idea in your head. Yeah, pretty much. No exact Um, And so, yeah, I wasn't taking off um, for almost eight months. My selfies would get like 20 likes from like my college friends and that was it. And then I made one viral tweet and um, last fall and it got posted on a Reddit subreddit that like a lot of trans people, mostly trans women follow. And so it blew up. I like quadrupled my number of followers in like a couple weeks. Ken Petrus followed me. <laughs> um, I definitely kind of cried a little. Um, she's definitely one of my trans idols. And so it just kind of kept rolling from there. And that brings us to now, I guess. <laughs> Was that not traumatizing enough for you? <laughs> no, actually. No, oh, no, no, that's, that's fine. Not traumatizing at all. That's actually really um, tame. So what throw in trauma if you want to hear it. Uh, but. <laughs> well, no, because we always like to hear what the truth is. So one of the questions that I have for you, Claire, is how is it how has your family life been? And the acceptance uh, levels of your family and that sort of thing? Yeah. Um, so it's shifting. I was actually really lucky that my parents were not together physically when I told them. Um my dad was on a business trip and my mom was at home and I called mom, called dad separately. And so they had like a week to mull it over separately before they came back together to determine what their viewpoint was. And so my mom reached out to her best friend from college, who was a social worker in the area where I currently live. And she was like, well, what did you say? <laughs> Were you good? Did you do this? Like, here's the list of things. Here's what PFLAG is. Here's GLAD. Here's all these media guides. And so my mom went into huge research mode 
joined like 20 transparent Facebook groups where all the kids in those groups are like 14. And wow. Like, yeah, my 25 year old daughter. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, it was slow. I mean, there were big moments um, where, I mean, at one point in time, my dad referred to bottom surgery as mutilation. And like, I silent treated for like a month <laughs> and, you know, he apologized and we brought it back and it was like, do you understand why that's wrong? <laughs> um, and I, I, I do think that there's no such thing as true acceptance at first. I, I, I think even when somebody says that they're like a hundred percent in on day one, they're not like you have yeah. to do search you have to you know i mean it's a process yeah and and as much as like coming out and knowing you're trans is also a process i got to spread that out over 14 years so like i had more time to educate myself and like make sure that i knew what i was doing before i did it and at that point i was a legal adult so my mom was basically like well okay i can't stop you do whatever you want. Right. If I come out, how how old were you when you knew you were trying? When I knew, 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 knew. Uh, when you knew, 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 knew. Yeah, knew, 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 but knew. Uh, yes, yes. I, I knew something was wrong for sure when I was nine, um, but I didn't hear the word trans until I was fourteen, and so that's when I knew what that was. Um, yeah. And, you know, you, you get busy, you try your best to not leave any time to think about it, but it always sneaks back into your life, I think, at some point. So you didn't, you didn't search on Google or, or oh, I whatever did. search I, engine there was at the time of, I, I want to be a girl or anything like that? I was all over Susan's place, okay? Yes. Oh, yes, yes. The, uh, um, a very affirming totally nothing wrong with like great website that, you know, accepts everything and definitely didn't tell me that I would never pass <laughs> as a 15 year old. <laughs> um, I mean, I, I think the online landscape of where you go when you need to find other trans people has shifted so dramatically Oh, yeah, uh, especially in the last 10 years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, the BBSs uh, for the trans women who are all up in Usenet in the early 90s, um, I think it was like all transgendered was the um, forum that was really big, mm-hmm. uh, which is already a yikes based on the name alone. Um and then you move on to places like Susan's Place. But the thing is, is like, it was always more trans femme focused. I don't think, to my knowledge, and this is probably biased because I am a trans woman and that's what I sought out. It's really hard to see where trans men have a space online. It's, um, uh, it's few and far between actually right now. Um, yeah, you know. so much, so much focus is on us, especially in, yeah. in media. Mm-hmm. Um, and trans men sort of get a pass. You know, nobody goes on about them being in men's yeah. bathrooms. It's, well, because I think yeah. a lot of times that trans men are not a threat. 
That's right. Um, you know, and when, you know, chance. And, and it's like a promotion. Part. It's a woman yeah, becoming a man. Exactly. But whereas we're demoting ourselves and people don't right. understand and why in the hell would you want to give up your manhood? And, and the thing is, though, too, is with trans men as well, um, you start taking testosterone, facial hair is very quick. It hides appearance extremely fast. Um, voice changes on its voice own. changes on its own. Exactly. So, you know, when they talk about spaces for trans men, yeah, I think there should be something that should be available for those individuals, certainly for support and everything. Um, and there's more of that now. And there is more of that now. There is now. more of that. And we're yeah, becoming no question about that. sort of equal in numbers. When I started this, well, searching since I was 12 years old in 1975, libraries and everything, it was like one to ten Mm-hmm. One trans man to every 10 trans women. That was like the early data. It was like yes. extremely yeah. rare. Yeah. I did a lot of like research on this sort of stuff when you're talking about like prevalence. And in the early days, you had a bunch of male masculine surgeons in a very masculine, heavy profession of surgery. And nobody wants to make a penis. Everybody it's difficult to make a penis. It is. It's but so it, it was also just the number that were coming out as trans and seeking transition and seeking hormones that right. psychiatrists and psychologists weren't seeing mm-hmm. a lot yeah. of trans men coming through the meal, so to speak. So, and so there, there are a lot of things that are definitely easier for trans men. Um, I think some of the things that don't get talked about as being more difficult are probably if you have a larger chest you have to get surgery to pass. Oh, yeah, like, sure. Pretty much a requirement. Yep. Phalloplasty is way more expensive than... Complicated. <laughs> and it is... I mean, like, from a biological standpoint, penis is, like, a really, like, complicated organ. It is very hard to make. Um, and at some point or another, if you want functionality, like, you're probably going to be paying upwards of $150,000 yeah. And it takes multiple surgeries too. We're looking at probably seven to eight different surgeries in some cases. Yeah. And, you know, your skin grafting, um, you know, they've got to get electrolysis usually on their forearms or that sort of thing because that's where the grafts come from in order to be able to do the development of the penis and that. So, yeah, it's, it's extremely tough in that regard. And the percentages of individuals with success rate once it's done is very low still. Because it's just yeah. not something that's performed that often. Um, At some point, I think they'll be able to grow one. Oh, I'm sure they From yeah. the clitoris. It's easier to remove something than it is to make something. Yes, definitely. definitely. Oh, yes. Always. And, you know, and we look at the percentages, too, actually, with uh, trans men, you know, um, back in the early days, obviously, you know, like Terry had mentioned, it's like, you know, 10 to 1 in, in percentages. But if you look at over the last 10 or 12 years, actually, trans men are now coming up more often than what trans women are. And Especially in teens. actually jumped in the other direction. Yeah. So. There's more trans men as teenagers than think, trans girls. I think the um, rise of... I'm not going to say that like being non-binary is accepted generally because it's not, but there has been a rise in um, acceptance of gender queer identities generally since the nineties. And I think we can credit um, Ricky Wilson's for like a lot of that work. Um, And that kind of intermediate period, I think in a sense might have contributed to the more, more of the ease of moving into um, trans masculinity, like 
going from one end of the spectrum to the other is not an overnight sort of thing. Like it takes a while <laughs> and having that middle identity, um, be something that can be moved through, um, as a stepping stone or like some people just decide that that's, that's what they wanted. Uh, I think might have contributed to people being more willing to take the leap because now I can do, uh, I can try these six or seven things without starting hormones necessarily or on a lower dose. And there are, you know, standards, standards of care for that now. Yeah, for sure. Well, I think we've, oh, talked yeah. about, we've talked about that in other podcasts too as well. Hormones so. are definitely a game changer and, yeah, and they are, and be a weeder also. Mm-hmm. You go on hormones and don't like it. Yeah. It's a huge uh, clue is the, you know, who you are. Yeah. And then that's the other thing that's probably a little bit more difficult. Trans men have to do injections, essentially. Like, they don't really have a choice like we do. Yeah. Um, well, they do have gel. I mean, there is tea gel that can be used just not, as well. It's not yeah. quite as successful as what injections would be, though. And I don't think it's covered by insurance companies in the States. Although I could be wrong on that. Um, yeah, actually, when anyway, before I ever decided to go down this path, I had low T and was put on T supplementation and used a gel. It was quite um, effective. It also made me depressed as hell, it made my dysphoria go yeah, through the fucking roof uh, and got off of it within a few months because it just couldn't handle it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So that was that was a sign. <laughs> <laughs> Just put it on the list. Yeah, that yeah, I didn't. Exactly. It was like, oh shit, oh shit, oh shit. <laughs> yeah. So Claire, I'm curious. Um, now, obviously, you're well. Terry and I would both kill to be your age. I'll be honest <laughs> with you. Um, but you know, you so you've come. Well, yeah, up, we did a woulda, shoulda, coulda thing, didn't we? We did yeah. a woulda, shoulda, coulda. Yeah, we we yeah. So we passed that one by already. Um, how did you find your acceptance in through obviously your university years and then, you know, finally into your workplace as to where you are now? How have you found that from uh, the integration of that and, you know, the respect of other individuals? How has that worked out for you? Yeah. Um, so when I, well, number one, I will say jealousy is a thing that is ubiquitous um because when i'm on twitter i definitely see 16 and 17 year olds who have started hrt seven years before me (laughs) or people who got bottom surgery at 18 19 and you're just like oh no like i'm and it obviously goes the other way as well yeah 57 i I had my bottom (laughs) surgery at 55 so yeah um but in terms of universities um my undergraduate was very prickly. Um, I got blocked a lot um, in trying to get hormones. It was very much like, hey, are you sure you're not just bipolar? Are you sure you're not schizophrenic? Um, let's just see if this persists for like a year. <laughs> and you're and like, I, it's persisted since I was 10. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And um, then when I came over to University of Cincinnati, um, I was very lucky that one of the doctors here, Dr. Sarah Pickle, was well, one best name for a trans doc ever. Uh, and two, um, she sped up things so fast that I had hormones within a week of seeing her. Wow! <laughs> and so my it moved up my schedule of coming out about six months. Um, 
I was very lucky in terms of my department that there was a liaison who I really trusted personally as a friend. And so I came out to her first and I was like, how do I do this? <laughs> like, what, what do I do? And she was like, basically, you'll come out to as many people publicly as you want to, or you can go through it slowly, or I'm here to help with HR how, stuff. How quickly do you want to rip the Band-Aid off? Yeah, um, I was originally planning on taking like a year on hormones um, in boy mode and then switching. But my mom just got so frustrated like four months in and she was like, how are we supposed to use your correct pronouns if you're not like expressing this gender? Like do it, like do it already. <laughs> um, wow. And so work was definitely um, easier in some respects. Like academia, I think in general means liberal mm-hmm. um, in terms of people's mindsets and ability to learn. Um, but that mindset is the higher you go, the less of it there is. So once you reach administration, you should just assume that they're all conservatives. And so things like changing my email, like my name on my email, that took me six months. Um, and I had to threaten to sue my university. They They wouldn't change my email without a court order. That's ridiculous. Are you serious? Like, it's just the name of my email. Like, and it's for a work reason. I mean, people are confused when the name in the email is not the same as the email header. Like, this is a simple Yeah, it's it's ridiculous. It's it's gatekeeping in a different way. Yeah. And I I will say, like, people change their tune when you're like, I'm going to sue you. Um, (laughs) It shouldn't have to be that way, but welcome to the United States. Um, and so in general, I work a very IT job. I don't really come into contact with, um, patients or anyone outside of my main working group very often. However, there were problems with my immediate boss and my group that were culturally based. Like they were from other countries where being trans wasn't a thing that was allowed. Right. Not, not not even not accepted. It was like, there was, there's not a word in this language for this. And I have no idea what you're talking about. And so that got problematic quickly. And I ended up switching bosses, which I love my current boss. She's the best ever. Love her to death. And, um, you know, things worked out, but it did take like a year, a year and a half to really, have the dust settle. And then every so often a PowerPoint will go up and it'll be a picture of me from two and a half years ago, but my current name or, um, you know, somebody will dredge up an old article that I wrote under my previous name because in academia, your name is supposed to be with you forever. Mm, Right. And that can be kind of problematic. (laughs) Uh, That was, that was, part of my decision-making in my name. Because in publications, it was always T.E. Osborne. Yeah. And so I wanted to keep those initials. And so it would always always be that way. And uh, So I still have those initials. Yeah. My middle name was never used in a publication, so that was not a big deal, just the okay. middle initial. 
Yeah. And so like, you know, it's more little annoying things than it is like big things. I I would say at worst, like there were some people who um, used to be very friendly towards me who would now like avoid eye contact with me and not talk to me. Mm -hmm. But none of them were in my immediate work group. And so it really didn't affect my day-to-day life enough to bring up something to HR. And I mean, honestly, the biggest thing that affected me in general is the diagnose, the diagnostic code for being trans, which oh, is yeah. ICD-10 is transsexualism, is an F code in ICD-10, the International Classification of Diseases. Uh, and you're restricted in children's hospitals where you can go if you have an F diagnosis. Like for me to work in a children's hospital, I have to release my medical records to them. Um, you know, and there are a bunch of reasons for that. Like they don't want me going into a ward if I have something that might be infectious or whatever. But um, because it's a relatively conservative area, you know, there was the reasoning of, you don't want to really. Yeah. You're a pervert. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, you know it's always Just be that blunt line. about it, Claire. That's what it goes back to. It, it, it it's a fine line. Like if I'm in, I don't know. I don't want to be paraded around like an animal in the cancer ward where there are children mm-hmm. dying of cancer. Like mm-hmm. it's not about me at that point. It's about them, yeah. Um, and bringing something like that up to HR, like the most that that affected me is my walk to the lunchroom increased by five minutes. Like it's not. In general, it, and for a lot of people, it's a big problem. But for me, generally, like, you have to pick your battles. And mm-hmm. I didn't think I was going to be here long enough to win it. And I, the, the risk is not the benefits. No, no point in spending the energy and emotion to fight something that's just not fun. Yeah, there are bigger fish in the sea. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, um, i got a question far as transitioning, what, what was the primary decision for you to transition? What drove you to transition? Uh, like the, the final string, so to speak. Mm, the straw, yeah. <laughs> or, yeah, that's the phrase. <laughs> <laughs> the string, straw. String, straw. Yeah, you know, the straw that breaks the trans camel back. Yeah, yep. yeah exactly. Um, uh, it, it's not a great app and I don't endorse it in any way whatsoever now knowing that it sells information to China about you. But I, some friend sent me photos on FaceApp where they had like a gender changer and was like, look at this, this is so cool. And I did it and I was like, oh shit, <laughs> crying like in my bathroom for like hours after that. I was like, right. I can't, I can't. Like I've been waiting for so long, I have to. Um, and it's still such a surprise to me that people were surprised because like, it was so obvious, like in college, every time I had a chance, I would wear a dress like constantly. Um, I had like six or seven performances. I did an awards show in a dress. I wore dresses to every party that I could. Um, I wore like three of my friends prom dresses (laughs) Uh, uh, yeah, that I'm sorry. That's, that's a, a huge. Yeah. Oh my yeah. god! Yeah. And yeah, no one thought that was weird. Or weird's the wrong word. Nobody really questioned it because I was in a theater group. Oh yeah, so you get uh, a huge pass when you're in theater. Yeah. Right? So yeah. 
I, I, I do think, you know, the theater is um, a great place to explore gender identity. Mm-hmm. And so um, I think that's why it's attracted a lot of LGBTQ people over the last hundred or so years. Right. So did you see anything in, you know, when you were younger, for example, when you were like, you, I think you said it was nine years old when you, you knew. Was there any other things that you can see when you look back now that kind of were real big flags that said, yes, I am? Um, my favorite color was pink. And I was told when I was six that I wasn't allowed. Like, I, my teacher was like, you need to pick another color. Like, that's not allowed to be your favorite. Mm. Um, you know, you know I, around 1900, pink was a boy color. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, I mean, you have the majority of my friend group in preschool were women. Um, but I was in a Catholic preschool. And so after two years, they told my parents that I wasn't socially integrating well enough. And they wanted to put me in a pre like a pre-kindergarten before going to kindergarten, which made me like a year older than a lot of my classmates. Um, but they put me in a group of all boys. <laughs> of course, yes. Uh, where I developed my first crush. <laughs> um, you never n- noticed, um, thankfully. And then, yeah, you get into elementary school and there were the real popular girls that I wanted to be friends with who I knew would never talk to me. Um, I hated sports and physical activity. Not that that's like a sign necessarily. Um, but it was just like, oh, I have to play with the boys again. Mm-hmm. They were into like the shooting video games and like, I don't know, like there were like, I, I got caught once. Like I was trying to grow out my nails because I saw girls with longer nails and I was like, that looks so cool. I want to do that. Um, my mom caught me and cut them <laughs> and I cried. Wow. Wow. That's your this mom was quite picture. attentive. Yeah. There's this early she, picture on did Twitter. Did she not I, suspect anything at all? Early no, on she or? was completely, I, I don't think she knew what it was to be quite honest uh, until um, Caitlyn Jenner and, you know, for a conservative small town, that's when stuff hit the fan like you know and they were like oh this person we used to look up to as like a great athlete is now here and that was the gossipy circle sort of thing yeah caitlin came out two months after i did i mean honestly what you're more iconic (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah i mean um uh, in terms of early signs, though, like nothing gets me more than like, I don't know, I was at my mom's place a few weeks ago and this photo of my very first haircut came up, which I, I posted on Twitter and it was just me just bawling that this person was cutting my beautiful hair. <laughs> and my mom was like, yeah, you know, should have picked up on this because neither of the other two had problems. <laughs> and I asked my mom when I was 10, I was like, I really want to grow out my hair. And she was like, oh my gosh, this is the first time you've ever shown any like interest in your appearance. Mm. Like, yeah, crazy. (laughs) (laughs) And like the list goes on and on and on. I mean, yeah. Yeah, it's amazing when you look back over your life that you can put two and two together on so many things that at the time were like, yeah, no. I was just 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Just nerdy or you quirky yeah. or just, you know, yeah. any number of things. It's uh it's actually surprising because most trans women that I that we've talked to, um, and that in our, our current situation, um, are all like that. I'm I must be the weird one because when I was young and at six, I knew at six years old what was going on. And I had difficulty and my mom would come out and I'd be like braiding my cousin's hair and I'd be doing everything and combing it out and everything. And she would just be like, yeah, there's something different here. There's definitely something going on. And so, you know, so it's interesting. I always like to find out other people's stories as to how those dynamics work in the family place and where, you know, and obviously your mom didn't really see anything. So when you said that your mom was saying, oh, this is the first time that you ever started to worry, worrying about your appearance, was that when she started to kind of realize that maybe something was different or it just went right over her head and she was just like, uh, when I was 14, I was really depressed at that point, realizing that I was trans. And I, you know, went online. And I was like, what do I do? And people were like, well, if you're not sure if your parents are going to be accepting, you have to go see a psychiatrist because at least you'll have confidentiality. Because at that point in Ohio, if I went to a school counselor, there's no confidentiality there. They have to disclose. To this day, they have to disclose if you say anything about LGBTQ status to them. Mm-hmm. They're not allowed to talk about it with you until they get parental approval, which, in my opinion, is disgusting. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, you know, was like, oh, crap, how am I going to do this? Well, you know, you put on the depressed act and you're just like, okay, you know, because I, I was depressed, but, you know, you got to pull it up for the parents, yeah. but... At that point in time, um, I didn't realize how, like, my, my parents' financial situation really was. Um, you know, you're getting into 2008, 2009. My mom's business went under. My dad, you know, had problems with work. Um, and so when I was like, I want to see a psychiatrist, my parents looked at the notes and they were like, well, let's just send her to church. The, the deep thing <laughs> care of this. That, oh, that always cool. turns out well. Yeah, right yeah, away. It turns out real well. That's an edge. And nothing like, well, like my mom was like, we're going to go see somebody who's going to help you. And me getting in the car so excited. And then we turned to my church parking lot and I'm like, what have you done? <laughs> like, no, 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 no. Uh, and that's, that's the when I decided coming out in high school was not a thing because I saw a conversion therapy like pamphlet on his desk. And I was like, yeah, no, this is back into the closet for me mm-hmm. for a few years. Survival, um, survival. I, I think yeah, at that survival. point was when my family started to spread the rumor that I was gay. Um, and I would get questions that like- Gays being, it's sort of acceptable. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's the thing is my mom very early on, one of the first things she ever said to me was like, well, why can't you just be gay? That'd be way easier. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. I was like, in some respects, yeah. <laughs> um, but- no. Oh, yeah, yeah. Being gay would be easier. You don't have to change your name. You're not changing gender. You're not changing your clothes. You're not going on hormones. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yes. Being gay would be so much simpler. Why yeah. can't I just choose that? There so. is this really great study that was in um, one of the sex research journals in the 70s that was asking people's attitudes in the United States on um, trans people versus gay people. And the general status was that trans people are better. Like are I would better in the seventies. Yeah. This is in the early seventies, and so at that point in time, we're right after Stonewall. Christine Jorgensen and Renee mm-hmm. Richards are 
Wright, they are the, the two big public figures. Oh, yeah, those are the two I knew about at that point in time. Yeah. And then you have Proposition 8 going on. And so people are like, well, gays are going to burn in hell. And trans people just have a psychological problem. And so they were, they were being viewed the same way as like infantilized psychologically. Like, oh, it's so sad what you're going through and you need medical help versus being gay. That's a choice you're going to hell for. And so it's really interesting how those two, that those opinions are just like a snapshot in time because right after that, it switched like a hundred percent. But now we're going to hell. Yeah. Now we're going. So I I find it interesting because so obviously um, when you went to the church, whatever, and they had the conversion therapy, um, thing on there did they actually pursue any of that or did they talk to you about that or did they do anything like that so at that point to my mom what i had said is that like i was depressed and i was feeling content warning suicidal um and uh that's kind of what i reflected and i was like oh my gosh now i see god wow this is so great yeah thanks bye (laughs) i got out of there in like 25 minutes um 23 of those minutes were him reading scripture Mm -hmm. Um, but fixed you right up. Yeah. yeah I was like, wow. You know, nothing like revelations to really like wake you up in the morning. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it, it was luckily something that I was able to warm my way out of really quickly. Well, that's good. Yeah. Conversion. Good. Sucks. Very good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm, very I'm, a, I'm a, I'm a Christian as well. Still, still by the bare skin of my teeth, but um, process of coming out to one's pastor and one's Bible group. And it's very uh, challenging. Had one guy tell my pastor that he thought I was possessed and needed an exorcism. Fortunately, my pastor didn't agree with him, (laughs) but we, we had a lot of arguments and, you know, I told my pastor at one point that, you know, after praying very fervently for God to take this away from me, and hearing from God a big fat no. And I told my pastor that, well, God wouldn't tell you that. So, yeah, yeah, he did, because that didn't come out of my head. <laughs> you know, my goal was to get my miracle. I didn't get my miracle. God told me no. Oh, no, God wouldn't tell you that. Well, yeah, you're full of shit. <laughs> yeah. I do think it's incredible how LGBTQ people manage to religious and Mm. after everything that religion has done to us i have nothing but like hope in that respect um it's great um i i can't go back there yeah and i i I do consider myself an atheist or at best an agnostic um but I have nothing but respect for people who remain in the church and push through that discrimination like that. I'm still there. I mean, as I said, you know, I've, I've heard from God on several occasions that I know he exists. It's not a, not a, a doubt in my mind. It didn't come out of my head. Uh, some really interesting things that were validated by other people at the moment. And, um, yeah, I know he exists as far as I'm concerned. There's only two people who have a vote and whether I'm a Christian or not, and that's myself and Jesus Christ. That's it. Nobody else gets a vote in that matter. Yeah. No Pope, not Trump, 
not <laughs> any, not any Don't pastor I may that. have. No. You know, sorry. Yeah. Nope. Well, and then, and so Claire, you and I are very much similar. I'm not. Uh, I'm not religious. I still. I'm universal. I call myself universal because obviously I'm more in that light. Um, but I had actually I had conversion therapy performed on me at around six and a half years old. And it didn't last very long because my mom, my mom and dad were not religious, which was fantastic because I think that was one of the my savers in this side of it. Oh yeah, that was a saving grace for you, really. You know, and it was because it was sad so, statement, but it was know. horrible for me when I was extremely young. So coming out of that, um, I can still remember I had gone through I think two sessions only, and I came back crying my eyes out to my mom, and she says, "What the heck is going on?" And I told her, and she said, "There's no fucking way you're going back. No way." doesn't matter if you're different that's fine i'm gonna love you anyway yeah good my parents my parents my parents were very good my mom was very good um but my dad my dad was good too but my mom would always come in and she would always be going like um you know especially at a young age because before puberty of course we don't know anything we don't have anything understanding of what sexuality is or anything or the differences between genders or you know kind of that thing you just think you are the way that you are so she would just like always shake her head because whenever I was around my cousins, I was always hanging around with my girl cousins and not my boy cousins kind of thing and stuff. And like I said, I was doing playing Barbies, doing the whole thing, everything else. Um, I can remember one. I can remember one Christmas, my mom going, "What do you want for Christmas?" And I said, "I want a Betty Crocker Easy Bake Oven." <laughs> You know, so it's just like, um, you know, and she says, well, I don't know if your dad's going to like that, you know, and, and that, but she was probably came in pink or violet. (laughs) Right. And same with me. I mean, my favorite color was always purple, always purple, always pinks and and the pastels and that sort of thing. So there was so many flags on the wall for me. It was ridiculous. So I I would not wear pink. I would not wear a flowered shirt. (laughs) I would not wear anything that would indicate who I really was in any shape, form. Yes. So it's funny, Claire, that you you mentioned that you're out sewing dresses and stuff like that when you were before prior to the time of coming out. Um, I went to my high school prom, fully dressed, all of that. Didn't last very long because I was in a Catholic school too. I lost like (laughs) before I was booted out the door. It was like And you and you weren't in theater, were you, Nikki? No, I wasn't in theater. I was in my own theater in my own mind. Okay, that's what I was doing. All right. So you know, um, but it's it's interesting that where so did you feel secure in just being who you were because obviously you hadn't come out as being trans yet and you were wearing dresses all the time everything else obviously the writing was all over the place on that side of it right but oh, no, just, just the not. dynamics of you know your friendships and that sort of thing in that time frame you, and you said that you had uh, been accepted quite well because of being in theater and that sort of thing so did you ever, like, how, how was the dynamics of your friends and all of that? I mean, obviously, because at some point in time, somebody's got to ask and say, hey, yeah. um, what's up here? Because you're wearing... Why, why are you wearing dresses all the time? Yeah, 24-7, right? Like, what's going so, on? I mean, luckily, in college, which is most of my friend group that still remains, I really... High school was just a power through, keep your head down. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't really talk to many people from that era of my life. I've never been back to my hometown since I left <laughs> um, almost nine years ago. Um, and so my college friend group, I the ones that I had kept in contact with, I was dating my college partner at the time who was non-binary. And so that part was really easy. Um, it was one of the very few first things I said when we started our relationship in college, I was like, this is going to happen. If you are not okay with this, 
here is your out. <laughs> you may Make leave. Yeah. Other story. I don't care. It's okay. You didn't sign up for this. And we're early enough that we can, you know, I would rather this happen now than in like five years. Um, and that was a, okay, chill. I'm down. And luckily they never told anybody. Um, and so mo- most things, yeah, really never roused suspicion. I mean, I was literally like wearing my, um, my friend's dress and my roommate who was a cis gay man was like, Oh, I don't like your back hair. I'm going to shave your back. And this <laughs> of me and the shower. What a friend. Roommate, both shirtless getting my back shaved and uh, like at that point in time most of my friend group was cis gay men or cis straight women because theater one of our um cis straight female friends walked in the bathroom on (laughs) shaving my back i was like okay and like closed the door slowly and (laughs) never brought it up for like years (laughs) um I mean, most of them were really good about it who cared about me and I was pretty straightforward. I came out on Facebook and was like, here's my new Facebook account. If you don't like this, just don't add me. I don't care. (laughs) Deleted my Facebook like a week later and, you know, people aren't really being vocal about not being down for it, Um, which is great because at least I don't see it. Um, you know, the case of omission in a way, yes. just no yeah. words, no nothing. They just kind of go away. But like, I mean, I was a promiscuous pansexual in college um, and, you know, went with my friends to gay bars and, you know, did pseudo drag um, in a lot of senses. And, you know, that's theater. Nobody batted an eye. <laughs> Which... Like, ah, yes, our token It's kind of the perfect environment, really, it for is. you. Yeah. Because yeah. it has so much leeway being theater, and the people that are in it are kind of known for eccentricities, you know, and mm-hmm. quirky yeah. behavior, and it's acceptable, and, um, you know. Yeah, uh, definitely. So it doesn't, so you, would you say that your transition, uh, going through all of the time that you did transition, would you say your transition was, um, not that traumatic. Um, so that, you know, <laughs> the transition. Why do you always need trauma, Nikki? I, I mean, well, you know me. I'm a therapist. The trauma does a trans woman make? Um, the first year, I think, is always for everybody a nightmare. Mm-hmm. Like, maybe the first two years, even. Yeah. Um, looks wise, I look back on things from the first two years that I thought I was like, "Damn, I look hot." I look back and I'm like, that is so cringy. <laughs> <laughs> Why did I think that? Yes, you do, uh, huh? Yeah. yeah okay. I, uh, I had this really kind of disgusting haircut um, that looked very much like the bad guy in No Country for Old Men, if you know who I'm talking about, or like Willy Wonka type haircut. I was like, no, 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 no. <laughs> Um, and luckily I was pretty oblivious because I was going to get clocked left and right constantly. And I really try not to think about it. I, I think the worst good. thing were dating. Like at that point, 
my partner and I had been long distance for a while and um, we had ended things. Uh, and so getting back into dating after we'd been together for almost five years was a nightmare. And it's app-based dating now. Like it's a little dangerous as a trans woman to kind of go out to straight bars and meet people in person. And so you start really getting the blows to your self-esteem when boys are like, I don't really want to be seen in public with you. I just want to come back to your place. Yeah. Hey, let's not tell anybody about this. <laughs> and we'll use you as I wish. Home. Yes. Mm. Uh, uh, and I mean, like in public, I was, I mean, luckily I'm once again, oblivious and kind of dumb. So like I would go with my friends to a straight bar and I would be waiting at the bar and there would be like two other people at the bar and I would wait 30 minutes and not get served. And I'd be like, Oh, well, they're probably just busy. <laughs> and my friends were like, no, this guy keeps looking at you and like ignoring you. Like this is straight up discrimination. And I mean, you know, I live in a relatively conservative area, so you might get pushed around on the street a little bit. Um, people who you thought might be cool, um, as partners, um, turn out not to be, um, there are things that you think are going very well. And then people just strip that all away from you in one second. Like I had a lot of friends who did drag and it was really heartbreaking that every single time that I went, people were like, Oh my God, like you look so good. Like you look just like a real woman. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> what? Um, I was trying vocal training at the time and I lost my voice because like it strained too much. And so right. I quit. Um, and I, honestly, I didn't have a friend group. I'm not from this area. And so um, it was very slow to build up. Um, Your support system. Yeah. And the people I thought would be there for me were only there for me on social media. And they'd be like, yeah, I support you. But also I'm never going to talk to you in real life ever. <laughs> Um, yeah, that's, that's not support. Yeah. And so, I mean, I don't want to say that like, there are certainly things that are easier now than they were 10, 20, 30 years ago. And there are certainly things that are easier in my life because I'm white for instance, or because I came from like a middle-class family or because I'm in academia and not like a minimum wage job that made certain things easier um but yeah um it's still a tough road no how many how many friends from your previous life (laughs) did you retain and that they're willing to sit down with you like starbucks or wherever have a a coffee and be seen with you in public um who are not trans themselves who are not trans themselves who are cis whether Uh, they'll be lgb or not most of the LGB stuck around. Good. Um, I went out one time with my straight friends from high school and they did not talk to me the entire time we were out. And so I was like, well, okay, bye. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, so I would say from high school era, zero. Um, from college era, I retain like maybe three or four of my straight female friends who live in New York and like LA and so, or San Fran. And so like you can't, yeah. 
I mean, no, di- distance, <laughs> distant, yeah, yeah, not in not in public with you. Yeah, and so I mean, if I go to New York, like we're gonna get dinner together or whatever, but that's kind of separate. Here, nobody really retained. Um, I, I had to build back from scratch, essentially. Right. Uh, and this, it's hard. Oh, it is hard. It's hard. Yeah. Um, I think we all go through that. Um, I, you know, I mean, I've lost everybody that I know, like just gone by the wayside, including family and everybody else. Um, yeah. you know, I've, I've a, kept two. Yeah. And, and they're not them. Christian. <laughs> One's a Buddhist, the other was a Taoist. <laughs> Like, <laughs> hmm, wonder why? Oh my, Goodness, no. the whole Christian love that neighbors yourself thing just kind of goes out the window for some reason. Yeah. So I must ask, why? How did you ever come up with the name Best Laid Trans for Twitter? What brought <laughs> you to naming yourself that? I'm just curious. What? Yeah. Was um. So I was known in college for changing my Twitter name all the time. And so when it came time, I literally just went to like rhyme zone and I was like, okay, what are some phrases that trans can just be thrown into? Um, and so like my discord name is choo choo trans. Um, and so, yeah, I'm just vibing off of that. Like, uh, my Instagram is nobody players. Uh, okay. I like that. Yeah. Nobody I, do. I like that one. That on Twitter instead of electric Claire. Um, but yeah, Bestly Trans was just a rhyme zone kind of go that I was like, oh, this is kind of funny. And well, then we like, wanted something more than that. <laughs> yeah, we were hoping for some substance there, really, to be no. honest. But the thing is, I mean, you like, know, promiscuous. I mean, you know, just kind uh, of. She did say that. She did mention that, that before. Yeah. <laughs> um, I will neither confirm nor deny. Uh, <laughs> Um, six or seven months into having that name, I did get a DM and somebody was like, there's somebody in the community who's using the same name and who is an abuser who is like pretending to be trans to get, um, pornography from trans women. And I was faced with a decision where I like, I asked a few of my friends, I was like, should I change it? Should I like leave this behind? I don't want to be associated with this. Um, and we all know cancel culture and internet culture do not mix well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like, I was very scared for like a few weeks where I was like, people mm-hmm. are going to assume that I'm this person and, um, you know, like that's it. And my internet support group was like a big part of my life at that point. And <laughs> at that, like a few of my friends were like, look, just like you, you by changing it, you're giving in like, let it slide. If more people DM you, if more people bring up their concerns, like hear that then, but just, just let it go. Um, and so luckily I think that individual is no longer on Twitter to my knowledge. Um, and so I've kept it since, but good. Yeah. The internet. Here's another question in regard to your real name. Is your favorite movie uh, The Emperor's New Groove? <laughs> um, the number of references from that movie um, that me, my brother, and my sister have I have gotten. to ask. I'm sorry. It's one of my favorite characters in an animated movie. <laughs> um, I think it's a great film. Um, the association with the name gets old when you hear it in like a hundred like um, 
thousand times, hundred thousand times, maybe a million. Yeah, yeah. Right. nail, nail yeah. it, Claire. On this nobody, show, you are allowed to just go right after if you want to. Okay. Nobody ever asks me about my middle name, though, which I guess I should be more vocal about. Okay. Um, what does what does the A stand for? Artemis. What? Oh, Artemis. Artemis. Yeah. Artemis. Oh, okay. Is, um, like uh, the Greek goddess of the hunt, but also the patron um, goddess of young women and protection of young women. And as somebody who was moving away from you know, Christianity, I really felt like moving. Just go all pagan. <laughs> you know, I didn't go all the way, but like, you got to ask yourself when you've made it so far and through so much, like, eh, maybe there's like a little. I think it's cool. I don't have an issue with it whatsoever. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not going to like, you give it whatever name you want. Like it, <laughs> um, yeah, it's a, it can be a very arduous process in changing your name and, and figuring out what your name is as a woman. And uh-huh. yeah, it's always an interesting story to hear how we come up with our name. Yeah. Yeah. So how did you come up with Claire? Was that a version of your male name or um, so totally somewhere I else? Same first letter. And at the time, me and my partner, we came up with a list and we, got rid of all the ones we hated. I was like, oh, I knew somebody in high school with that name and she was a bitch. <laughs> or, <laughs> oh, that's my mom's name or that's my cousin's name. Or, um, you know, I know somebody in college who's going to assume that I picked this because of them and I don't want to deal with that cloud. Right. Right. Uh, and so you eliminate and eliminate. And um, I liked Claire a lot. Um, before that, I tried Cynthia and then was like, and too many syllables. Uh, uh, and so, yeah, I ended up paring it down to Claire. And, yeah, just kind of, it's real nice. rolls right off the tongue. It's pretty. It, it suits uh, you. It really yeah, does. It allows me to retain the, like, because um, so many trans women, I think it's, like, a stereotype choose Luna. Mm. And having, like, Claire DeLune, I was like, yeah, I kind of had like a little reference in there because that's the spelling essentially. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then like there were several characters who I really enjoyed from various media who had the name. Mm-hmm. And then I took off the E um, in part because I was like, oh, it'll be easier for people to spell because the E is silent anyway. So it's the easier spelling. And then I like went to Starbucks for like the 10th, 20th, 30th, 40th time. And then like, Everybody adds the E, even though I <laughs> don't add it when I'm spelling it. Yeah, it's like, it didn't work. Darn. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. But oh, you do what you can. No one ever spells yeah. my last name correctly, ever. Oh. So, And I didn't even change it. So. <laughs> well, that's what, yeah, and I'm changing my last name purely for one reason, because of that. Because it's just yeah. such a pain in the ass to have to try to spell, and it's always correcting and that. So yeah. Oh yeah, it's, no it's either one way, or they either leave the e off the end, or they stick a u in it. And I'm constantly asked if I'm kin to Ozzy. So. <laughs> uh, yes, immediately, right? I never. And I yeah, never oh, sure. That yeah, before. you know. Yeah, I never equated that about you for some reason. Um, oh, I've gotten that a lot. Are you kin to Ozzy? Yeah. <laughs> Do I sound like Ozzy? No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, no. Don't sing like him. No. Not even that. The only way you can understand uh, Terry is if she sings, okay? Yeah. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, not so much. No. 
<laughs> yeah. Um, so curious, Claire, when you're now looking in your current position as to where you are now, how do you see the future for yourself and moving forward? How do you forward? see yourself in 10 years now? Oh, God. Um, yeah, that's terrifying, I think, right now because of the state of the world in some sense. But also, I don't know, when you start transitioning, like, it's like, I made it. I did it. I have my goal. I'm going to, like, when I die, I'm going to be buried in a dress, so we're good. Like, uh, I, and I, I think to, in my mind, that was an end goal. And then when you get there, you're like, oh crap. <laughs> There's the rest of my life to keep going. Um, life after transition. Yeah. And because I moved research wise into like me search, because now I'm doing trans related um, healthcare research, I'm kind of stuck in that. And I'm okay with that. I'm okay with the rest of my career being in that. But like, that's what I'm going to be pegged as academically for the rest of my career. Um, I really want to get to a bigger city. That's a goal. Um, I'd love to live in New York. Astoria and Queens is my favorite neighborhood on earth. Um, I don't know. I'd settle for like, I love Berlin as well. I've been a few times. I think it's a great city with, you know, pretty much everything that a city should have. Um, and so, you know, definitely getting somewhere bigger, hopefully more liberal, hopefully more accepting and, you know, where I can work through documentation without hitting as many roadblocks, I guess. Like have living have you been able to get all your legal stuff done at this point? No. Um, my name change went through and I got my driver's license right before everything stopped. And so I didn't have time to update my social security. Okay. I couldn't update like basically any of my other documentation because I needed that first. That sucks. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and Usually Ohio, they ask you to do your social security. In Alabama, I had to do my social security first, take that letter over to DMV, yeah. then get okay. my driver's license. Yeah. See, it's so much different in Canada in comparison for documentation. Because in Canada here, it's just like piece of cake. Went in, get the name, the certificate of name change, mm -hmm. and then you're off to get your driver's license, and then you get your social insurance number, and then everything is just boom. I think I had all of my documentation done, name change, gender changes done, and everything in less than six weeks. Just rub yeah. it in. Go ahead. Sorry. It, all, it, it all depends it, on it, where you live, where yeah, you were born. Exactly. In yeah. the states, because every freaking state is different. Some of them are a piece of cake. You just send in yeah. your box tops and the letter, and yeah. you're good. So <laughs> others, not so much. Yeah. yeah. So, Claire, have you found roadblocks because of where, what state you live in? Has there been roadblocks from the name change? Yeah. Um, so in Ohio, you can't change your um, gender marker on your birth certificate yet. Um, it's one of like two or three states that still has that issue. Period. So no matter what. Even if I move to another state, since my birth certificate was issued here. Yeah, I mean, but the where you were born, it, what are their requirements to change yeah. your gender? Oh, no, you can't. You can't. Period? You can't, period. Okay. Even if you were intersex, you can't. I, I thought Alabama. The document is issued. It is there for life. Because well, I know ten Tennessee okay. is that way. Um, now, I could go to New York. And I believe this is like a relatively recent thing where New York was like, we will give you a certificate of birth. Mm -hmm. Your state won't do it right. But that's not a birth certificate. <laughs> no, it's right. not. Right. Um, and so 
yeah, they're they're yeah they're that that, that little fact really screws you over. Really yeah. uh, and then one of the other things, and most like it's a county by county basis in Ohio for name changes because you're in the judicial branch, so you're dealing with magistrates, judges. Um, I was lucky that I didn't have to get before a judge. I could just get in front of the magistrate and they're like, you know, record everything you're saying. And they're like addressing you using the wrong name and pronouns because they have to by procedure um, and everything. That was interesting, especially because he misgendered me. Well, okay. He accidentally, because I was looking so feminine, he like used the wrong pronouns when reading the procedure like notes. And so he had to stop recording and do it again. Oh God. <laughs> and like, he was just apologizing every three seconds. I was like, like dude, well, at least he was a nice guy. Yeah, he was awesome. a very nice guy. Yeah. But one of the things that in the States that is done with name changes, um, because there's no like federal FBI type database of name changes. It's like those records are done by a County and state level. The only thing that's microformed for long-term use in the States are newspapers. And so you have to print your name changes in some newspaper and you have to run it for- I didn't have to do that in Alabama, amazingly Uh, enough. That's great. You can apply in in my county, it costs 300 extra dollars and you have a chance of getting denied. You can apply that, oh, this is dangerous for me and I don't want this. Um, But- like I had a, a lawyer who was pro bono at that point, and he was like, "Don't do that; you'll get denied." Like they don't push those through ever. Just just here's publish it in the most podunk yeah. paper you can find. Yeah, like here's a law journal with like a readership of three. Mm-hmm. Like everybody goes for this one. Just go in this one, and like um, it'll be fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other thing in Ohio, which is kind of awful, is with um, driver's licenses. You have to basically apply to be on a list of trans people at the state level. And so you can't get your gender marker change until you have um, a letter from your doctor sent to um, state house. And you can only change your gender marker in your life two times um, on your license in Ohio, which is annoying as heck. Um, so you can get it changed on your driver's license. Yes. Okay. Yes. That that would be huge. That is huge. To uh, be able to do that, but you're going to have to have surgery to get it, right? Um. So luckily, you don't have to have surgery. Really? I had to in Alabama. Couldn't change. Oh, uh, totally uh, different in places. Yeah. Um. But you do have to have your your doctor has to like check a box that says this person has completed their transition. Yeah, luckily, totally. the language is so vague that. Mean anything, and it's not like they check anything. It's like as long as the doctor says that you're done, um, then you're fine. Mm-hmm. But getting a doctor to, to sign up that yeah. can be difficult. My doctor would not prior to surgery. She was like, This language is so vague, I have fear that someone might try to take my license because of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Um, so, but I was having surgery in six months anyway, but it would have been nice to have had it yeah. beforehand. Well, the fortunate thing is too for you, Claire, you can still do your gender change from a federal level on your passports and that yeah. sort of thing in the U.S. But you can't get a passport That's right thing. now. Yes. It's a little difficult. Um, they, yeah, they've stopped all passport issuances except for emergency life or Oh, is that right? That's right. Oh, wow. Um, 
And because of things on a state-by-state level here, um, you have interesting situations like New York will allow you to have an X on your license for gender, um, but that blocks you from being able to apply for a passport because you can't apply, like they have to match on both documents. Mm-hmm. You can't get an X on your passport right now. And so a lot of people in New York I know have had. My passport was the first legal document I got that showed me as female. That's impressive. That was <laughs> awesome. That was, no. I, I'm sorry, by the time I got my marker changed and my driver's license, everything had, it was kind of like anticlimactic. But to get my passport in the mail and have an F on it for my sex, I squealed. <laughs> <laughs> And it was like, yeah, you know, that was awesome. And I used that as my primary ID, unless I absolutely had to show my driver's license. I used that. Yeah. Yeah. Because um, it showed well, me who I, I was. Passport, but it's worth it. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, my God. Yeah. And I got the little card, like the driver's license, so I can have it in my oh, wallet. Yeah, yeah. It's only like an extra $40 or something. I would get that. Yeah. Uh, if it takes, you know, once things maybe get back to a little normal when you get a passport, get your passport. Yeah, definitely. Got to do that right away for sure. Yeah. Cool. Well, we're getting close to running at about an hour and 15 minutes here already. It seems that time always flies when we're doing podcasts and going on and on and on. Oh, yeah. So any last words, Claire, that you to share with our audience uh, about anything or experience or anything or, or that that you'd like to? Yes. Wait, Parts you're, and wisdom. I thought you were gonna have like like really digging personal questions. What happened to that? <laughs> well, if you, we could no, because so here's the thing, Claire. Is what we do is we bring you on the show the first time, and we're all cordial. Oh, no. the next time that we bring you on the show that you have to be completely and totally aware of what could potentially happen. Okay, so, yeah, no, don't scare her away, okay? Oh, I won't, no. because <laughs> I can tell Claire already, she, if she's going to ask the question, she must already want to start spewing stuff out, right? Like, oh, maybe yeah, that was an open invitation, right? There. Yes, yes, don't, don't, don't say it if you don't mean it. Yeah. Uh, but, like, in, in terms of remaining cordial towards um, last words to an audience member, especially if they're, like, questioning and like and then the egg state as they say or um you know just early on um you know i think the first year of transition is kind of like being a country girl moving to new york like the first year is gonna suck the first few years might even suck because there is mm-hmm. a huge community that has existed for a very long time and who are very knowledgeable and very opinionated and waiting your way through that and making like strong lasting friendships can be extremely difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, but the people who stay with you, who stand with you, who are willing to let you make mistakes and help educate you and point you to the right resources, like they exist and they're there and mm-hmm. you can find them and they'll be good. To a you. lot of times they're online and yeah, yeah, it's a double-edged sword online for sure. But mm-hmm. The community and like I've built long lasting real life friendships from uh, Twitter, which is so weird to say out loud, but <laughs> uh, it does happen. Uh, yeah, yeah. Nikki and I met on Twitter and yeah. have formed a great and wonderful friendship and, and whatnot. Yeah. So it, it's possible. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, so I guess that would be. Yeah, I wouldn't have met her otherwise. Yeah. yeah. 
I, I think uh, that's one of the things that's so great about having this kind of technology available to us. I mean, when we were in the 70s, we thought we were just, we were alone. We didn't even know if there was even anybody that existed like us, you know, and yeah. uh, we got shut down at every turn and everything. So I think the technology nowadays is exceptional. I mean, I've got more friends worldwide than I ever had. And I mean, now, basically, I have all my friends are online. I don't really have friends in a city or anything like that now, but now I fly all over the countryside because that's and that's brutal because I got to go see all my friends. Right? <laughs> and then COVID. I, up. I didn't meet another transgender person in real life until I'd say six or seven years ago. Mm. You know, I knew I was transgender since I was 12. Yeah. That's yeah. a long time. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, us old birds, eh? I tell you. Not like this young, youthful girl that we're talking to right now that has her whole life. Oh, my God. Uh, yeah, we, we are so jealous. We are. Know, I'm totally jealous of you, Claire. You I'm to not going to straight out and honest about that. Totally. Yeah, jealous. it's such a, yeah, such a young yeah. age. And to have the rest of your life to live yeah. as a I, woman, as authentically you, and have this behind you. Oh, yeah. You got it, yeah. Claire. Jeez, come on. You know, maybe I'll get surgery in like 15 to 20 years, depending on how expensive it is by then. Yeah. <laughs> do, do you plan, uh, you know, this? Uh, you don't have to answer this question. Do you plan on having bottom surgery? Kind of thing yes, you want? I, I would like that very much. In fact, I have like a list of surgeries. <laughs> my, list of. Top, <laughs> my top five surgeons for each. Right. Uh, okay, you I got this planned out. That's good. And mm-hmm. realistically, on an academic salary, we'll probably never be able to afford it. Um, so, you know, um, I I hope you get under really good insurance plans. There are some out there that cover freaking everything. I have a friend here, her insurance plan covers electrolysis, uh, boob job, bottom, other things. It's like, I hate you. I hate you. Yep. And up here, the only thing that they cover, which is that it was, which I was grateful for, was is that they did have government funding for the GRS surgery. And that's the one thing that I did. Otherwise, I've just like blown my bank accounts and everything else to get to where I am. Oh, yeah. I, I always thought that I'd have to pay for the surgery out of my own pocket. I never ever yeah. thought I'd have insurance that would cover it. And in Alabama, of all places, self funded yeah. insurance did, which is freaking amazing. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So, Claire, can we expect you back on the show again? Um, yeah, of course. <laughs> uh, if you'll have me, if I don't say anything too problematic. Of course I'm we'll have you. Oh, my gosh. Are you kidding me? You've, you've been, you've been a delight. Thank yeah, you so for much sure. for, for coming on and, and being with two people that you didn't know anything about other than Twitter and yeah. our podcast and that you were brave enough to come on and do this. Yeah, with us, we, so. we commend you for that, for having the guts to come on and do this. Um, I think some are a little bit fearful and not quite sure what to expect. But Yeah, we don't bite real hard. No, we, we just nibble a little bit, right? We kind of gnaw on each leg and, and you know, that's kind of how we roll. So yeah. no big deal there. So, well, that's awesome, Claire. Um, we really appreciate you coming on the show. Um, oh, yes, absolutely. You know, um, and glad you're feeling better. Me too. Oh, there was yeah. one question we, we meant to ask you. Oh, yeah. throw it out there, Terry. Go for it. Oh, yeah, your, your period. Oh um, yes. Saw your tweet on that. We we have a podcast about that, by the way, if you want to go. Yeah, we, and we both have them. We both have them. So and we both have them. Yeah. Um, I'm not gonna lie, at first, like being on estrogen for like a couple of years before starting progesterone, I was like, yeah, like the period stuff is real. 
for like other people, but for me, it's just kind of emotional. It's not really like physical symptoms. And I had gotten sick like a couple of days before. So I was kind of like, what if, is this related? And then it began and ended within like a whole, a day. <laughs> but in the morning, the cramps were so bad. I couldn't get out of bed. Yeah. And oh, it was so bad. I felt horrible. I thought I had food poisoning. And yeah. I went through everything that I ate. And I was like, there's no way this is food poisoning. And it's not correlated with being sick at all. This is confusing. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, and I felt kind of bad because, like, I was like, yeah, physical stuff is just all in your head. (laughs) And I'm like, there's no way. (laughs) Like, this was so painful. Well, that's going um, to open up a whole other story here. And now she has to come back on because we'll have to finish that. So we're leaving uh, you yeah, off. Yeah, yeah, some yeah, yeah. There Nick, Nikki and I have discussed this at length. Our periods oh, yes. really kind of sink. Uh, no idea why. Yeah. 2,000 <laughs> miles apart. Yeah, But, but I, figured, I figured mine out before I ever went on HRT. I'd had the issue oh, okay. for a while and was like starting to track it. <laughs> it was like, son of a bitch. Yeah. Every 26, 28 days. <laughs> yeah. Well, we could, you know, girls, we could go on and on and on. And I've got to cut us off here because we're sitting at about an hour and 25 minutes now, hour and 20 minutes. So I'll we don't want to like drag it on forever, which is fine. That's why yeah. it's great. We can continue to talk about this on the next episode. Yes, okay. we'll have a part okay. two. We'll definitely do that. So anyway, we want to thank everybody for listening to us today. Uh, please make sure that you go out if you've got reviews, comments or anything, if you've got questions for Claire possibly. Yeah. Trash or, us if you wish. Yeah, <laughs> you can always trash us. We're used to that. We've been trashed many times before and we That's will it, probably yeah. be trashed a few times again. That's right. We're old. We can take so, it. So <laughs> yeah, we're old, we're old news on this sort of stuff. So anyway, thanks so much for listening to today. And, and uh, a great to thank you, you to Claire. Yeah. Thank you for having the show. We really appreciate it. Enjoyed and, uh, it so much. We'll, uh, we'll stay tuned for our next podcast, which will be coming up on Monday. So Monday. once again, thanks for listening, guys. We'll talk to you later. Bye, Bye. y'all. Bye, everyone. Thanks for listening to Trans Talk Raw. This episode has been brought to you by transgenderlifecoaching.com. Please head over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. It's very much appreciated. Time for us girls to party. Join us again for our next episode of Trans Talk Raw.